Hello and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. My name is Patrick and I am your host. And we are living in a different world um, than we were when I recorded this episode on February 25th, almost a month ago to the day. Um, I've thought a lot about what I could say in regards to the coronavirus. I know that there's thousands of people listening all over the world. And I know that we are all in this together. I know that's something that I think we feel sometimes and we acknowledge. But what has really occurred to me is how this virus has really highlighted how interconnected we all are. I mean, it's crazy to think that this whole thing started in Wuhan, China, and it has now impacted the entire globe. Not everyone is infected yet, or maybe they won't be, but I have this sense we are all experiencing this to some degree. I don't think there's anyone that isn't affected by what's going on right now, and the one thing that's really stood out to me is how connected we really are. And if I was going to take something positive away from this, this whole thing, I guess that would be it. I hope everyone out there is doing well. I hope you are staying home or going on bike rides solo or whatever, you know, responsibly riding your bike. Damn it. I really do hope that everybody out there is doing well. Uh, be smart. Realize that your actions do have an impact, and we all need to do what we can. Uh, we can all get through this together if we just stay alone at home or on solo bike rides. Much like my guest on today's episode who did a solo bikepacking trip along the Mexico-United States border all the way from California to Texas. And that is where I caught up with Jenny Schmidt. We met up at Rocky Hill Ranch in uh, Smithville, Texas, which is just between, it's between Austin and College Station. Uh, and I actually got to thinking about it, and that was the first place that I ever did a mountain bike race. I believe I was 19 years old, so that would have been 1999. Um, anyway, I have a rich history at Rocky Hill Ranch, been going there for many years. I guess actually it would be appropriate to say over a decade now. But yeah, so it was great. We, uh, after she made her journey to Texas, as y'all know, I always try to catch up with people if they're going to be riding through or to Texas uh, and doing something pretty neat. So fortunately, we were able to get the stars to align and, and meet up for a mountain bike ride. And then we sat down for a chat in the van. That's right. This is the first time. I actually have used the Bikes or Death mobile podcasting studio, and I'm ashamed to say that actually the audio sucked. I left one of the uh, van doors open, and there was wind coming in, and Jenny sounded like she must have been talking right into a tornado. I mean, it sounded really bad. 
So uh, that's why this episode is getting out a little bit late. Like I said, I recorded it about a month ago, but I had to send it off to my new best friend, Douglas Edge. Uh, Once again, he went through the audio and completely saved my ass. So thank you, Douglas. Everybody, we owe you a uh, debt of gratitude because trust me, uh, this one was way worse. So, uh, and we had a great conversation. So I was super bummed uh, with the audio quality. But uh, so the first interview in Van or Death was kind of eh. Conversation was good, but my lack of experience really shone through. So um, now I know. Now I know. Don't do that. That's bad. That's how we learn. Sorry about that. Anyway, Jenny and I had a great chat, um, had just come fresh off a really neat experience where she was riding along the border to gain a greater uh, appreciation and, and, and a real like personal understanding of what the issues were that were surrounding the border. That was one of the aspects of her trip, and we'll get into the whole thing as we get into the interview. I would like to say that after she left uh, Texas, she flew back to her home in Washington, and they have really been hit hard with uh, the coronavirus. I know that it's hit her community very hard, so to her, I'd like to say, hang in there. Uh, And to everybody else, we will all get through this together. We are part of a species that has been around a long time. We are intelligent. We are strong. We evolve and figure things out. And we we will get through this. But we can get through it a lot quicker and a lot better and a lot faster if we all just stay home and practice some really good social distancing. Hang out with your kids. Hang out with yourself. Get to know yourself a little bit. You know, read a book. God damn it. Go ride your bike by yourself. Anyway, you get the point. One other really quick note before we get to the show. Uh, The Grand Gravel 500 race that I was training for was set to take place on March 19th. Uh, So that's just a few days ago. Uh, It was canceled, which isn't really surprising because the main sponsor was a uh, hospital and a healthcare organization. So I uh, didn't really see them endorsing an event that would uh, congregate people together. But there were a few people who lined up for a grassroots unofficial race. I was not one of them. Um, I felt like I needed to be home with my family and with unsure resupply spots and all the craziness that's going on right now. Uh, I just felt like I needed to be home, but there was a race. Three people showed up and only one finished Mark McGraw. So uh, shout out to Mark. I actually went out there and took a few pictures of him, And I think I'm going to try to get him on the uh, podcast and, and talk to him about being the first and only finisher of the 2020 grand gravel 500. All right, everybody. I appreciate y'all so much. One great thing about podcasting is I can do it from home. I just recorded another great episode just a couple days ago. I have a couple more lined up and I'm going to keep rolling them out. So I appreciate everyone's support. If you want to find out about how you can support the show, head over to bikesordeath.com. Check it out. See what you can do. I know times are crazy right now, so I'm not asking for a lot. Actually, I'm not asking for anything. Except for one thing. If you'll head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review, I appreciate it. It helps people find the show, and it makes me feel good. All right, that's it. 
let's get to the show. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. And now we're recording a podcast. See how that happens? <laughs> it's easy. Hooray. You just hit that button and all of a sudden, here we are. It seems so much fancier in the yeah. faraway land. Yeah. I'm really trying to break down that idea that I'm a professional on any level. Yeah, I can tell. We're really in the back of my van right now. <laughs> yeah. So welcome to the back of my van. Uh, Thanks. Jenny Schmidt. Hello. Hi. Thanks for coming. Thanks. Um, you are my first guest in the new van or death. I don't even know what we're calling. We're calling the van. <laughs> the van has its own Instagram, van or death. Um, <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'm. This is this is historic for me. Uh-huh. First interview at this table that was made by Maker and Racer. He's. Um, I don't know if you follow Chaco Bandit on the on the Instagrams. Uh-uh. Okay. Well. He was a, a past guest on the show, has a great, like he died in a bike race and then like rehabbed himself back to come and I can't remember, he either won or got second place. Oh, rad. I don't, I don't remember. Um, but a great story, great human being. And it's just special to have like a piece of his work here in the band. So yeah, anyway, cool. welcome. Thanks. I'm honored. So you, I think are the guest who has traveled the furthest <laughs> to come and interview with me. So why don't you just give us a rundown on the last couple months, where you came from and how you came to be. Well, we are, I guess I should say, we're at Rocky Hill Ranch, um, kind of in between Austin, San Antonio and College Station. We did a little riding today. Which I actually have no idea where we are. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I figured I'd feel that part. But, Thanks. Um, <laughs> you know, how'd you get to this general area? <laughs> I rode my bike, mostly. Uh, yeah, I just finished a bike ride from... Um, the Pacific to the Gulf um, started in San Diego, California, and rode mostly backcountry gravel roads to um, Brownsville, Texas, um, and then got on a bus, San Diego or San Antonio, and now I'm here. How long did that take? Uh, I think it was about 30 days of actual bike riding. Um, I took quite a few rest days, some of which was planned, some of which was not. Yeah. Um, turns out it snows in Texas, which is not something <laughs> I was expecting. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once this year and you got it. Yeah. <laughs> so why, why this trip though? Why were you going, yeah, from California to Texas? Along the border. Yeah. Um, well, it was kind of a few reasons that all collided together at the same time. Um, my amazing employers uh, let me take a two-month sabbatical to work on um, just some mental health, and I do my best self-work when I'm on a bike, so I decided to try and map out the hardest 
long distance ride that I could on gravel um, and it's winter. So I, being in the South made the most sense. And, right. Um, I've also just been really drawn to understanding what's happening in our country in general. Um, and I think it's really neat to be able to go to a geographical location to learn about what's happening in our country and the border um, specifically mm. right now. Um, and I think bike riding with a purpose is just a really, really special way um, to bike across country. Um, and so, so I oh, picked the border. It, so yeah. it seems like there was two components, one being a mental health uh, aspect and then also just uh, uh, immersing yourself in a new culture, a new, and like understand it from, from the ground, like mm -hmm. go out there and actually see what's going on. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about both those. Which one do you want to tackle first? <laughs> <laughs> uh, either one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you start with mental health. So yeah. um, if you feel comfortable talking about it. Yeah, definitely. Uh it's so, hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you took the trip as a way to improve your mental mental health. Mm -hmm. So, in what way was it? Are you comfortable saying what you were struggling from? Yeah, yeah. okay, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like tiptoeing. No, it's fine. Uh, open book. Um, I went through some trauma a couple of years ago, and uh, grief and depression and anxiety, and was trying all of the. Um, I guess, conventional ways of dealing with that and um, really had a community spring up around me and take care of me. And um, it was getting to the point where it just felt like I needed to do something on my own. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, to see if you could, to see if you'd like take, like, because you had all this support and you're like, okay, but I need to be okay by myself too. You kind of. Yeah, that and just, um, it was almost like all these amazing people, all this wonderful um, support I had, um, I was just kind of letting them be the good things in my life. It was almost like a distraction from my pain and I wasn't really facing it mm. and it kept um, surfacing in ways that were really unhealthy and um, I felt a real sense of like, I wanted to be the person that all these people loved and improve myself for them. Mm. Um, and I knew that I wasn't really going to face this pain um, unless I biked 2,000 miles. And <laughs> Alone. <laughs> figured it out, yeah. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> exactly. inside of a ditch. And, mm -hmm, pretty much, yeah. yeah. So how, yeah. how did that unfold for you? What... Um, it took a while. Um, I'm really also pretty good at distracting myself. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Uh -huh. <laughs> so, yeah, it took about, I'd say, 1,400 miles until I was ready to really dig in and yeah. be alone. And um, the first, like, three states I went through, um, I ended up meeting up with a ton of friends and a lot of really cool people and um, communities and was um, just really immersed myself in the border side of um, this project. Um, yeah. And so my mental health was, was doing, I mean, I was on a bike. It was great. Yeah. I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's easy to be happy there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. most of the time. And then yeah. it sounds like it gave you a project, like something to focus on, a, a goal, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah, I hit about mile 1400 and um, there's something that happened that just kind of triggered 
everything and I was um, going into the desert alone for three days and um, I knew that I was going to face everything and deal with it and um, it was definitely pretty daunting. And, wow. Um, you knew because you, you decided that that was going to be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And what, what desert? Um, that was Big Bend National Park. Oh, I was hoping you'd say yeah. that. Yeah, that's the. Per- I mean, you know, when you're telling this, you know, describing this to me, that's what I'm picturing. Yeah, that's a beautiful place. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear about your experience there. What that was like for you? Mm-hmm. Gosh, I mean, there's no way to put words to how gorgeous <laughs> that place is. We have talked about that on this podcast. It's like, yeah, there really isn't. the the right word so you know give it your best shot (laughs) no one else has got it either (laughs) (laughs) um it's just like there's a life to the mountains there and the mountains meet the desert and meet the river and um it's just this stunning majestical majestic um landscape that you you cannot be there and not appreciate it Mm. um at least that's what I think. I don't, um, yeah. I mean, I think even the RV people appreciate it. Uh-huh. Maybe not as well as they could. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, people, I mean, it's it's awe-inspiring. Mm-hmm. You can't go there and not just have your jaw. <laughs> are they Are they thinking we're in charge? I think they must, yeah. Okay, they're going to come ask us questions. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a little pause. <laughs> And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. We had some disc golf enthusiasts looking for directions to the nearest uh, disc golf course. Yeah. We don't know where it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we were talking about Big Ben. uh, And sorry, were you in the national or the state park? At this point, I was in the national park, yeah. Okay. But you visited visited the state as well? Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Went through both. Perfect. Yeah. Um, And like you said, the really cool thing about Big Bend National Park is that I mean you have to work pretty hard to get there like there's no easy access to Big Bend National Park if you don't live near there right like you're driving even by car yeah 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 Yeah. you're yeah you have there's no easy way to get there you can't fly wait and Lahita say do you have an airport anyway I get distracted go ahead (laughs) uh yeah pretty magical place where did you camp uh I don't know. Okay. That day. It was one of the, it was in between, was it Cottonwood? Yeah. Could and be Cottonwood. the Rio Grande Village. Okay. Somewhere in the Somewhere middle. in there. It was loop, uh, maybe it was Loop Camp, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all good. Yeah. I was just, <laughs> <laughs> we, we were, I just got back from there, uh, did a little trip in December. Uh, I think we were there four days. And switched campsites, you know, found a primitive campsite, new one every single day. We did some mm-hmm. bike packing, so half of it was on the bike and half of it was in the van because it started raining and we're wusses. <laughs> and we had a van right there. So it's like, I think we'll not suffer. Yeah. <laughs> we just made that choice. Yeah. No need uh, to suffer. Yeah. Was that your first time to Big Bend? Second time. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So you knew yeah. you had that to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first time I went, I... um was on a uh, road trip in the winter and just accidentally discovered Big Bend National Park. I just saw a spot of green on the map, so I decided to go there. Yeah. Um, in a and... sea of non-green, there's this one rather <laughs> large, actually, green spot. Mm-hmm. 
1.3 million acres, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's big. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't have a lot of time to explore. So I knew I'd be coming back someday. Yeah. It's pretty stoked. How long did you get to spend there? Um, let's see. So it took me two days to ride through the park and then I took a rest day because I wanted to wait for the Bukias crossing to open. Okay. Um, and then I, so I had a rest day, which I'm glad because it was really shitty wind and cold and raining. Um, so then in the next day, the, the crossing opened and I did an out and back ride that day into Mexico. Mm. Um, and then had some tacos <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then the day after that I did the, is it the old or uh-huh. road? We just did that one. Yeah. yeah. So three days riding, four days riding. Five total, I think. Yeah. How was yeah. it? Just, I mean. So <laughs> rad. <laughs> I don't know. You're like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I talk about Big Ben probably too much on the show, but <laughs> I love it there. I yeah. was hoping that you got a chance to really spend some time there. I, I didn't know. Um, I knew you went through there, but, uh, you know, some people just like ride through it. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you need to. Yeah. Spend some time. You got to spend a little time there. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say the only thing I was disappointed about was that. I had planned my itinerary specifically. This is probably the only thing that I had yeah. timed out that I wanted to be there during the full moon. Oh. And I was, but it was cloudy the whole time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get like a, a waxing or waning moon? Like a, like like a, the next day, did you get to see the no, it was no cloudy the whole, the whole oh the yeah. whole time mm-hmm. no I, okay yeah. <laughs> I was picturing like just that one night oh yeah that's unfortunate because the night sky is as you know yeah. equally as magnificent mm-hmm. as everything else I've had this debate too it's like which one's better nighttime or daytime right yeah do, do, what, I love. I love night riding in the moonlight. Mm. It is one of the coolest things in the world. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, a girl we were riding with earlier, your friend Amanda. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, I don't <laughs> want to put her on blast. I'll cut this out. Um, unless she won't mind. But, uh, oh, she won't mind. She won't mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she was not a big fan of riding through the dark. Um, uh, she liked yeah. to be in a group. Yeah. But she has mountain lions where she rides, so it's different. Yeah. See, like yeah. there's like one mountain lion in all of Big Ben Ranch or something. So mm-hmm. Or Big Ben uh yeah. The park system there. A lot of coyotes, though. Yeah. I saw a lot of those. I'm reading Coyote America right now, actually. That's a fascinating species. Yeah. Yeah. But, and beautiful at night, too. Like, oh, I just, just listening I love to them. listening to coyotes. Yeah. 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 They're all talking to each other, just yeah. checking in. They're like, all right, everybody here? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> in the book, um, Dan Flores? Yeah, I think so. Um, he talks about... Uh, that coyotes, you know, in theory would take a poll as to every coyote that was there all the way from the west to the east coast. Mm-hmm. And you can just imagine that reverberating through like all until you've reached every single commu- coyote because apparently they all communicate. That's so cool. They're all talking to each other. Yeah. And, and they, uh, I'm going off a tangent, but they, uh, they regulate their, um, their population, um, based on so if if some of them get killed then the moms will produce more babies to offset for it mm-hmm. or if there's not enough uh you know resources they'll have less babies so they like regulate their population based on where they are mm-hmm. anyway huh so there's so cool. coyotes yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, <laughs> I'm learning to be a fan I've, I've been doing a little research on coyotes or coyote <laughs> <laughs> uh 
So tell me, all right, well, let's, let's talk about the mental health a little bit more. I know we just didn't, I know you want to talk about it more. (laughs) You don't have to tell obviously like exactly what went down, but, um, I, did you have a positive experience? Did you come out better, stronger, happier? I think so. I think I have, uh, still some processing to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just like faced all of it at once in the most raw way and um just uh kind of I guess opened up the dam and it all flooded and uh had this moment in the desert lying down on the ground where I was kind of facing myself with this decision if I was either gonna just lay there and not get up or I was gonna get up and I was gonna figure it out Mm. and I was gonna leave it all behind um and obviously, I, I stood Hi. up. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, and that's actually what this uh, tattoo is part okay. of for me. Um, just got my first tattoo last Yay. night. Um, but yeah, and then after that, it was about, I think, six hours of biking and sobbing. Um, and Using the bike as a, a thinking machine, like, or? Mostly just like... Uh, honestly, I don't remember. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty fuzzy. Yeah. Uh, it was just like really trying to, to keep that momentum of, yes, I do want to just keep riding out of this. And right. Keep moving. And, um, it was pretty cathartic. And, um, at the end of that, I ended up seeing a bunch of bike packers and it was just like the most cheerful way to exit the park too randomly Uh, just yeah yeah and i didn't know where i was going to camp that night and i was stressing about it and um because the camp was full and they were just like hey are you going to rio grande you want our campground we're deciding to leave and i was like yes i do (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) that's crazy universe provides yeah um and then yeah going into mexico that next day um on my own um was just uh a really special way to kind of process and decompress um, and still not have all the distraction of like my friends and um, the internet. I, mm-hmm. There's no service there. Right. Um, so it was just a, a, a really cool way to just completely face it on my own with no distractions. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards just felt a lot more excited and, um, yeah, really faced a lot of it and feel like I left it behind. Awesome. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I know you will. You will. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just, yeah. you and I had the opportunity to talk a little bit before we actually started recording, actually quite a bit because we went riding and stuff, but um, life is a process, you know, and mm-hmm. no one's perfect right now and we're all got our shit and mm-hmm. got to figure it out, you know, and so, yeah. I mean, the bike is a, it really has been for me. That's another thing we're talking about a great, just a, a tool to help me with my own mental health and just stress, mm-hmm. like getting that stress off, going on like a little trip to uh, just re- hit that reset button. And, and I do it, you know, I, I prefer, I like solo stuff mm-hmm. for that same reason. 
a lot of it is my time to think, to evaluate, to process everything that's going on because life is crazy. Life mm -hmm. is coming at you fast and there's people and there's bills. I mean, you know, it's mm -hmm. a job. It's like there's it's like so much is going on. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that the, there is so much value in taking some time to just look inside for you it was it was fix something it was something you knew you needed to address and you 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 ride your bike because it's the best way to think at least mm -hmm. for me like you're just it's like meditation or mm -hmm. i don't know it's it's it yeah, yeah. i found a lot of value um in my own life on that side and i didn't expect it i didn't get that in mountain biking no i mean no we mountain bike today nothing mm -hmm. about it. but when you're like shredding and jumping <laughs> and you don't get that you know that's the part about bike packing that i didn't realize i realized it was a cool adventure a fun way to explore have all your stuff go wherever you want to go but the surprise was god i f i like I feel better about me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm figuring shit out. I'm feeling capable about being able to like have every, like you just went across how many states? Four or five? Four. Four yeah. states. Plus a few in Mexico. But yeah. by yourself. Yeah. Like, does that make you feel like a badass? <laughs> like, think about that. Yeah. Take that into your normal day, mm -hmm. your job or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you're like, oh, no, I, I could do this. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. I feel like biking is, like, it's a it's a vehicle for medicine that can handle or help you with so many different mental health issues, whether it's depression, anxiety, grief, trauma, low self-esteem, um, just so many things. Everything. And I, I don't know the science of it of why. I'm not a doctor either, but I'm pretty sure I can say this 100% that bicycle is the best thing ever yeah. for everything. Sweet. Yeah. Relationships, yeah. <laughs> recreation, health, mental and physical. I mean, really, I mean, I'm, I'm being a little bit silly, but I, I, there's some truth there, yeah. you know, like I get, I get a lot more value than, oh, I went to go to my bike ride today. Like, <laughs> I'm sure that's what people think. Like, you know, they see how much I ride all these yeah. crazy trips. like. I don't know. They no, probably just think yeah. I'm out, like, just riding my bike, just twiddling. I don't even know. Yeah. People probably think I'm weird. No, nah, there's a purpose to it. <laughs> and, like, I'll sing that to my dying day to anyone, like, who thinks that there's this intimidation factor to cycling. Um, I When I hear that, I just feel like I would move mountains to get that person on a bike and show them that that you don't have to do cycling in any specific way, but if you choose to do it, it will help yourself mm. growth and your mental health. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's, that's a good segue into talking about your nonprofit, which is an intentional way that you're, mm -hmm. you're doing exactly what you just said. Yeah. So I, and we actually haven't talked about it yet. I know about it, but what do you, what do you got going on there? <laughs> um, so back in Bellingham, Washington, where I live, um, a couple of my friends and I started a nonprofit called Shifting Gears. Um, and <laughs> which is awesome because you're having a podcast as well called Shifting Gears. <laughs> I just released an episode this morning <laughs> announcing another podcast that I'm starting calling Shifting Gears. And so I, I found out that I plagiarized her name, but she's going to let me keep it. So <laughs> we hashed that out over talking. Oh, that's a great name. We can <laughs> Thank share. You. Thank you. Um, it's an honor to share it with you. Thanks. So, 
Um, yeah, we work to uh, break down barriers to accessing recreation. Um, and it all started when a friend and my, me were um, trying to actually start a bike touring company. And we did a pilot ride and took um, 12 people out on a tour. And just that one two-day tour, most of them, it was their very first bike ride ever. Um, and it was very empowering. It was a very special experience. Um, and afterwards, we talked about, um, you know, would you do this? Would you pay for this? And every single one of them said that there's so much value to this, but I could never pay for it. Um, and there's also this barrier and this barrier and this barrier. Um and so we realized that we didn't really want to, s I mean, we want to serve everyone, but we would prefer to serve people who can't afford trips like that. Um, and so that's kind of where it started. Mm. And once we started looking into that, we started just discovering so many barriers that exist to accessing recreation in general. Um, and our nonprofit centers a lot around cycling mostly because of me <laughs> and how much I love it. Uh, but we do also focus on um, a lot of other recreation as well. Um, how long have y'all been doing that? Um, I think it's three years. Three I years. Say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> well, I think one thing I'd like to mention there is something we talked about earlier that I'll mention delicately. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want actually? Do you want to share about how a lot of these women don't feel comfortable to go on a group ride, and mm -hmm. so it's sad that this even needs to kind of exist in mm -hmm. a way. I mean, it's great that it's there, but at the same time, I mean, you had a the way you said it earlier was pretty good. I don't know if you want to recant about my first bike shop experience. Is <laughs> that and then yeah, how that segues into uh, to what you're doing now and. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, my first bike shop experience was um, trying to buy a brand new bike for the Great Divide um, on bike route and walking into the shop um, with my partner and having the bike shop um, clerk look at my partner and say, um, she knows how hard that is, right? And <laughs> it's just like, I, I'm a pretty independent um person who's willing to stand up for myself and like I was able to work through that and still go to a different bike shop buy a bike go on this trip but I can only imagine people that that maybe don't have a support system like I did um would have just given up yeah and that, I hear that all the time um and work with um we, we work with a lot of our participants and like coaching them on basically like how to prep yourself for walking into a bike shop and how much it sucks. And it's crazy. Like, and, and, and I do hear from a lot of um, my male friends and other genders. And I think that's true for everyone. Um, and I do think it is a lot harder for um, non-male genders to just exist in the cycling world. I had, yeah, I mean, my reaction whenever you told me that originally was really um, a little bit shocked. Mm -hmm. Just be, I mean, my soon-to-be ex-wife, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, she, you know, she and I go bikepacking together and um, I just, it just never occurred to me that in this day and age, it's, it's still that big of a problem. Like, I know that there's gender inequality, but for the mm -hmm. fact that, like, 
uh, you just go into a bike shop and he just like shut you down mm-hmm. or women don't feel comfortable to go on rides uh, in groups where there's going to be guys there because like, we were talking to uh, Amanda earlier and she said, this is, this blew my mind that she's a Kona rep. So she goes around and does group rides and demos and stuff like that. And she will lead these group rides and has yet to have another female show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. That's mm-hmm. not okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, again, going back to what you're saying, it's like, yeah, it, it's sad, but mm-hmm. we need to be able to, I guess, have a class that talks about, okay, how do you go into a bike shop? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So I'll say this. Guys, <laughs> bike shop people, stop being dickheads. <laughs> stop being stupid. Like, it, it's, it's. I mean, I'm not trying to get all, like, feminist man, like, whatever, but yeah. it's just, like, just, like common sense Mm -hmm. like don't assume that you know everything about somebody i mean we have examples like alexander houch and lael wilcox others that i can't think of right now um i mean you going across i mean you've done shit too i mean there's tons and tons and tons of examples of women that can do badass shit and it's ridiculous that there's this void where some people don't get it Mm -hmm. or understand it or Maybe they just weren't informed. So mm-hmm. hopefully podcasts and conversations like these can help to yeah, just educate people because that's probably yeah. what it is. A lot of it. I think that and like on the very selfish side of it, I think that hopefully the a lot of the bike industry folks will smarten up because, um, you know, there's so many small local companies that we can choose to go to instead or like me, like I purchased my bike online and was able to um, custom order it all. Like I didn't have to go into a bike shop. Yeah. Um, and I think hopefully they'll they'll catch up and they'll change. Otherwise yeah. I think like there will be a time when we have so many other options. We don't have to go into a bike shop anymore yeah. if we don't want to. Yeah, a bike shop should be the safe place. It should <laughs> right? be the place that you go yeah. and they're encouraging and welcoming and inviting anyone mm-hmm. to I had damn, I mean, you need to sell a bike. You are a store. So don't treat your customers like shit. Yeah. It's probably good. It's bril- All of them. Brilliant. <laughs> Just basic business principles here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's that, that I mean, it. I I feel a little silly that I didn't, I, I have lots of conversations with women. And one of my goals with the podcast is to do 50% men and women like we talked about. And uh, there's just not a shortage of amazing women or men or just people just Mm -hmm. amazing humans to talk to Mm -hmm. about people are doing crazy fun awesome things everywhere yeah Yeah. so yeah it sounds like the bike shops really just need to like get Get with it it. together yeah yeah yeah. i have been seeing women's shops popping up Mm -hmm. though i've been seeing quite a few women own women run women like women everything yeah which is cool yeah it's pretty rad yeah um i want to get my bike from one of those shops next yeah (laughs) She's got to find one. I'll um, go go to somewhere not in Texas. Yeah, I know. I know Seattle has quite a few. Oh, we'll go to Seattle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the really cool things about bikepacking as a sport. I feel like we have such a really cool opportunity to make it what we want because it is such a relatively mm-hmm. new. I mean, it's been around for a really long time, but it's just really blowing up in the last decade. Yeah, and I think. The Great Divide has a lot to do with that. Um, and I also think Instagram has a lot to do with that. Like mm-hmm. when I first started writing 10 years ago um, on The Great Divide, I didn't see a single female, not one. Wow. 
And I did see some on blogs. Um, Esther Harani from Tucson. I'm not saying her last name right. Um, She held the Great Divide record before Lale, I think. Mm. Um, So she was the only other female that I had to look to at the time. That was before Instagram. And now it's just like you're just – you're seeing so many people like you, whether it's – you're Hispanic and now you're seeing another Hispanic person out there or transgender or something. Um, it just makes you feel so much more like you can do that. Um, and I think that's a really neat thing about bikepacking. And yeah, I, I, I love that we're, we're in a position right now to help shape the future of the sport to mm-hmm. some extent. If enough of us are willing to set good examples of what this can and should be, at least in our opinions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then there's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I, I, I feel the pull, you know, there, and it's something that I, I work to be an antidote to just the Instagram. Everything's a perfect world. You know, I mean, there's so much more to everybody's story than a, a, a nice Instagram picture. And I'm on Instagram, so I'm not bashing it, but <laughs> I mean, uh, but <clears throat> there needs to be, um, uh, I, the, the, I value the reality of mm-hmm. what is actually happening. Like Definitely. I don't, uh, let's not put everybody on a pedestal and worship them because they, you know, it's like, no, let's, let's figure out how we can get like you're doing. How can we get people to experience this more? Mm-hmm. Can we get more people to recreate this way and have the same types of experiences? And damn it, the world would be a better place. <laughs> That's all we got to do. Get the people on the bikes. Problem solved. <laughs> uh, vote for me on Tuesday, people. <laughs> I think this will come out after the election. Yeah. <laughs> so was there anything else about your uh, shifting gears uh, uh, 501 what, what, nonprofit, non-profit is the normal yeah. thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went the businessman route. Um, but yeah, is there anything else there that you wanted to say or pitch that to anybody? What area does it serve? Just there in uh, Washington? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Bellingham. So uh, yeah, what maybe if even like how people can find out more information or anything. Yeah, um, our website is letsshiftgears.com. We have Instagram as well and Facebook um, at Let's Shift Gears. Um, we do a lot of um, spring, summer, fall outdoor programming, um, and I don't know if you know much about Pacific Northwest, but it's pretty awful in the winter. Um, so we do a lot of um, workshops and seminars, inside-based um, activities. Um, like what? Um, our seminars are a lot of just like getting a lot of people in a room basically and talking about like what does it mean to be afraid in the outdoors? Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. Um, and how can we help you um, talk about fear so that's not so much of a barrier for you? Because yeah. um, I don't think fear is something that we talk about very often, um, which I think is too bad because I think fear is is important, but it also doesn't need to hold you back from something if you yeah. you want to do that. I have to just interject real quickly. When I went to the bike packing, bike packing summit, uh, Joe Cruz gave one of the most eloquent speeches um, I've ever heard, and it was all in fear. Mm-hmm. I, I got a chance. I did record a podcast with him, so you can go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. It's not the full meal deal. Um, I heard. I think it's online somewhere, though. He's given it mm-hmm. m- more than once. But um, anyway, very powerful uh 
yeah, his his perspective on fear is 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 wonderful. So mm-hmm. I'll leave that cool. for you to go <laughs> and and anyone else listening to go and uh, check that one out. It's definitely Rad. worth it. Yeah. Wow. So overcome y'all help overcome fear. Just all kinds of topics. Yeah. Whenever you just said inside activities, I was picturing that maybe y'all were doing like hopscotch or basketball, <laughs> or, <laughs> like anything not to go crazy in the winter up there. <laughs> I do. We do some rollerblading. And, oh yeah. yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah. Now we're talking. I came yeah. for the rollerblading. Yeah. I didn't come here. For... <laughs> all right. Well, as you as you're talking, what is occurring to me is that you have. I'm guessing a, a pretty pretty deep well of knowledge and experience that you're drawing from. Um, you've mentioned that you've done the tour divide going back 10 years and you're leading conversations about fear and uh, you know being outside and stuff like that. So give me a little snapshot of your personal history um, as a bike packer, cyclist, whatever. Sure. Um, yeah, I used to hate biking. Perfect. Scared to death of it. <laughs> um, Where's the stop button? <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I, we just got done talking about like <laughs> welcoming everybody. Yeah, no, I. Uh, it was born out of necessity. My car broke down. And I had three jobs all across town and needed to figure out how to get from point A to point B. How and, old were you? Uh, I think I was 25, you know, so like two years ago. <laughs> okay. All right. No, I think uh I'm not gonna say anything. Twelve years ago. <laughs> uh <laughs> and I started out on my childhood specialized teal and hot pink rock hopper. Oh nice. Um just biking around town in the rain and just started to figure it out and um was really struggling in Bellingham. Um it's pretty dark dreary wet cold place and uh my partner at the time I told him I just really wanted to an adventure to break up um the winters and um he was talking to a friend and this friend was like well why don't y'all just do the great divide mountain bike route and go bike packing and we didn't know what that was um but he mentioned it to me and I was like yeah sure sounds great (laughs) <laughs> so that was my second ever mountain biking trip Whoa! Uh, or time on a mountain bike. So we did one test ride in Oregon, bought all the gear, you know, got Revelate bags when mm-hmm. Revelate bags were brand new. Yeah. It was, it was so cool. Ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just did it. Um, what was your experience, uh, going into i mean just riding your bike around town were, were you like an outdoorsy person prior did you, i mean did you do other things or was yeah. just like a completely off the wall kind of adventure um i mean yeah i grew up camping hiking okay. um i had a kind of a funny childhood too spent a lot of my time um alone lived out of my car off and on since i was 15 or 16 whenever you get your license uh, <laughs> um, so being independent and outside has always been a part of my life. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I find that's a nice, that gives you a lot of confidence going into mm-hmm. bike packing whenever, I mean, it's riding a bike and I know how to do all that stuff out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, I'm finding, um, it shocks me sometimes actually how few people have, as Carrie State from K-Light says, bushcraft, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, understanding how to operate in a natural world mm-hmm. and outside. And um, I was fortunate enough, too, to grow up 
doing all that stuff. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of, all right. So you did the, did you do the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that was age of 25 ish mm-hmm. ish. Yeah. yeah. Wow. How was that? First time? <laughs> didn't even know what you're going into. I mean, fresh bike packer. I mean, my uh-huh. first trip is 66 miles, you know, like 150, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, it was great. Yeah. No, it was hard. Uh, <laughs> um, when did you realize it was hard? Like, did it take a couple of days or did you? Day, really... day one. Day yeah, one. Day one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, we didn't know what we were doing. We overpacked. I had, like, these big, huge binoculars mm. and, like, all sorts of stuff I didn't need. We ended yeah. up mealing mm. home pretty quickly. Um, and uh, I actually, right, I had tried to train beforehand um, and had gotten hit by a car two weeks before the trip. Oh. And um, I was fine. Um <laughs> fucking cars yeah uh but my hands were just so bruised and um so i didn't ride leading up to the trip and i had a really hard time holding my handlebars um in any position um so the first week was pretty rough um and i was like cramping and um back then i didn't know what a pain cave was but i found it pretty quickly (laughs) yeah um but about a week into it i was feeling pretty good yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's a that's pretty quick. A week to yeah. get your body from basically zero mm-hmm. to uh riding the great <coughs> excuse me, riding the great divide is um mm-hmm. pretty impressive actually. That's one thing that you hear a lot of people talk about is just um if you just <coughs> our bodies are amazing. And if you ask them to do something long enough, eventually, if we're capable, mm-hmm. your body will just kind of say, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I get it now. I'm on the program. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm here now. And then it, it'll do what you ask it to do. Yeah. We just don't ask it to do very much. Yeah. Right. It's like push the gas pedal, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. What? A, <laughs> turn the wheel to the right. <laughs> Stick your arm out to get your McDonald's. Like, yeah, I mean, right? It's just like we don't ask anything of ourselves mm-hmm. anymore. I mean, some of us don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not present company. <laughs> um, yeah, I had some frustrating moments though. Like, I, I started out bike packing with clipless pedals, um, and I didn't know how to use them. Um, and I've, I'd never ridden single track. I wasn't a mountain biker. Um, and I definitely, like, there were a few times where I couldn't figure out how to get my foot out of the pedal and would fall over and hit my arm on a rock or, yeah. And I ended up walking a lot of single track, and it was pretty frustrating yeah. you know, pushing your bike for a long time. What What did you walk away from that trip feeling um, like what, yeah, what was your experience like in retrospect having done it? Um, I was sold, loved it. Okay. Um, yeah, by Montana, Montana was like just absolutely wonderful. Was so happy. Um, Wyoming, not so much my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> that Great Basin is hard. Yeah. Um, I don't like wind very wind, much. Yeah, yeah, that wind mm-hmm. is brutal. Um, but yeah, then Colorado and New Mexico was just like one day after another of just pure heaven. Loved it. Loved being outside every day. Loved the simplicity. Um, and um, 
just the power of moving yourself across the country one pedal at a time mm -hmm. was so cool. Yeah. yeah. It gives you a respect and appreciation for the people who like came before and like developed and like just walked or on a horse or a carriage or yeah, whatever. Right? And you're just like, this is cool. Like you're kind of tapping into like, a, I don't know. It's way easier for us still, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still, I mean, it really is a, a neat experience to be able to realize that you're capable of just getting on your bike and riding it mm -hmm. all across the country. Yeah. What came next for you? So you fell in love with bikepacking, you knew. So then what does the next mm -hmm. 10 years look like in a nutshell? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just soaking up every bit of cycling that I could. I mean, I do a lot of other cycling now too. Um, I'm actually an indoor cycling instructor as well. Okay. I teach class four times a week. Wow. Um, and just it's a great way to stay in shape i always yeah. thought like i have no desire to do it but i've kind of considered <laughs> it sometimes i'm like man that it would be great because you're getting paid and you're staying in shape you know yeah i don't get paid i volunteer oh. well that's um, but we have a lot of fun fun yeah we have a disco ball <laughs> okay oh the disco ball yeah yeah all right <laughs> um but yeah, I just, I wanted to soak up every kind of cycling. I wanted to learn about my bike in a way that wasn't just my partner um, taking care of my bike for me. Um, I really wanted to empower myself that way um, and started to just like take my bike apart and put it back together and look at new kinds of bikes and bike gear. Um, and I really was desperately craving to bike with other women. Um, I loved all the people I biked with, but I really got sick of the ego and the competition. And, yeah. Um, Competition's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, just I love solo trips. I love biking with other people. So that's what yeah, I was going to mm -hmm. ask. Like, did you segue away from that into solo trips or did you find and women to go bikepacking with? All the things. All yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. Where what is, what's your favorite if you had to pick like a favorite trip or your favorite way to bike pack or recreate like what what would be a perfect trip or if maybe you've already had one that really stands out? Oh gosh. Um well I am a firm believer in not having favorites. Oh. Um so I won't box myself into that answer. <laughs> that I like that. I like that a lot actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh I'm never going to say that again. You just changed my whole mind on favorites. It's so limiting. Yeah, it really well, and there's so many factors. It's like, I mean, yeah. This one compared to that, it's different. It's uh -huh. it's a, it's its own special thing. It doesn't have to be in com uh, competition, you yeah, know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah, you just changed me. <laughs> I'm a new man. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I love I love racing. I love solo trips. I love short trips right from my backyard. Um even on a weeknight, um, going to work the next day, riding into town from a mountain um, with friends, um, glamping, bikepacking even, bring a bottle of wine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Always>. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say the Baja Divide Cape Loop with Amanda that I did earlier this year yeah. was um, pretty freaking awesome. Y'all yeah. spoke about it very fondly. I was yeah. getting jealous I wasn't there. It sounded like a good time. <laughs> I I will say I love hills. I love climbing. Um, and this border trip, um, I was expecting a lot more climbing. Um, and so I'm 
I'm craving some some Washington mountains when I get home. Okay. Um, but the Baja was the best of everything. Like you have the mountains, you have ranch life, you have the coast. Yeah. Lots of tacos. I actually wasn't familiar with that loop. So do you want to just mention what I obviously most people probably know about the Baja Divide mm -hmm. route. Um, but yeah, what is this loop? Yeah. So um, I don't know if it was part of the original route that um, Lael and Nicholas did mm -hmm. um, or if it was added on later. Um, but um, fly into most people fly into Cabo um, if they're doing just the loop um, and go follow the coast um, clockwise, Todos Santos, and then you cut across the mountain range to La Paz and then jump back on the coastline south to Cabo. Yeah. Um, so you're in the mountains a lot and you're also on the beach a lot. Yeah, that's a nice combo. Yeah. I've never, I've never experienced it, but I yeah. can imagine yeah. just a great change. I mean, just from one beautiful spot to another mm -hmm. beautiful spot. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. There's a, a hotel there called the Cactus Inn in Cabo that has started to kind of specialize in accommodating bike packers. So you'll fly there, and you can leave your bike box there, and they'll babysit all your gear for you, oh, nice. um, which is pretty rad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the more people that do this kind of stuff, the more uh, communities and places will support it. Like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we'll help out. Yeah. Really, they do. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Let's, uh, so we talked about your mental. <laughs> My your mental. Your mental. <laughs> oh, my gosh, your mental health. Um Let's let's go back to your trip here, going along the border, mm -hmm. and I, I, how did that trip inform the? Obviously, you went into it. I'm guessing with a perception of of what's going on with the border, but mm -hmm. where did you land on it? Oh gosh. Um, well, I tried to go in with pretty open mind as far as um, leaving behind my own prejudice and ideas on either side. Um, and just kind of see what happened. And um, I would say that one thing I can certainly walk away from is that I politically, when we talk about the border issue, it doesn't make any sense to me because the issue doesn't revolve around the border geographically. Like you look at all this stuff that's happening and the the reasons why we're talking about border control, border patrol, and it really has nothing to do with the physical location of the border. Um, and on both sides, north and south, and left and right, Democratic, Republican, rancher, or whatever you are, um, I was kind of um, floored that nobody wants the wall that lives there. Mm, yeah. that I talked to. I didn't talk Whoa, to everyone, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> There's six million people that live on the border on both sides. But um, it's devastating to what, hear. What kind of reasons? Just the, I mean, the impact to the environment or or just that it's not necessary, it's useless, it's not going to solve the problem? I mean. <laughs> All those things. Yeah. Um, pretty devastating to them on a selfish standpoint, um, cutting off irrigation and water land use to their um their farms, their cattle, um, talking to folks um, on the reservation. I mean, it's just devastating their land in a way that is criminal that nobody is talking about. Is it going through res reservation mm -hmm. land? Yes, oh specifically in Arizona. They'll just adverse possess it and, or eminent domain or whatever that's called. 
Well, I, the way that they're going about it is is in the court system right now. It's illegal what they're doing. Um, but by the time we actually resolve that, the wall will have been built and the devastation will have happened. I mean, it's happening right now. What, that's what I was going to ask is like how much of the wall is built? I mean, from what you saw, I mean, mm-hmm. how much is there? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, California was pretty much one big giant wall. Um, which was kind of exhausting, to be honest. Um, and then Arizona. Staring at it for day upon day. Yeah. I actually had to bike away from it a few times. It's just, it's not a happy place to be. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like gorgeous landscape. Oh, that's the hard and part. Just, or one of the hard parts. Yeah. 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 Just blocking all that off. Mm-hmm. All the animals, everything that lives in that region is just like, nope. Yeah. Go figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, Arizona seemed like it was, um, maybe 50-50, um, but it's looking like they're on track to be 100% pretty soon. Um, Arizona was pretty much no fence at all. Uh, or sorry, not Arizona, um, New Mexico, Mm. um, saw very little fence. Um, and then Texas, a lot of fences in the big cities, obviously, like El Paso, um, and then once I left El Paso, I didn't see the wall again until I rounded the North Bend at Del Rio for a little bit. Um, and then it was just, it was so bizarre. It was like 10 yards of a fence here and there. Like, yes. what is the point? I, know. <laughs> I don't get it. So that, <clears throat> that's interesting because my experience comes from Texas uh-huh. and that's what I've seen in Texas is like, there's just like these little bitty segments it's that so you can weird. just walk around. Yeah. Um, and I don't understand. So my perception <clears throat> was that that was kind of how it was. And I was like, I don't know if there's some political game going on here where they're like, yeah, we're building a wall, uh-huh. but they're building a wall. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It really, I mean, the, the part that is going to be hard for me is that what they're going to do there at Big Bend. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do there. I know I can barely comprehend. I, I, I don't want to. I don't like, want to think about it. Yeah. I, if anything, I hope that doesn't happen. It, and part of why I, you, are you an Edward Abbey fan? <laughs> yeah. I'm about to get Edward Abbey on that. So I like, <laughs> oh, no man. Like, I feel they, like even the RVers after... will show up and yeah. like, I feel like if you fuck with Big, Big Ben, like, I can't imagine I'm people, shaking my head right now. Yeah. I I mean, it's not, I, I don't want that to happen yeah. at all. Yeah. I mean, if there's something I can do about it. Anyway. Yeah. I don't like any of it. <laughs> <laughs> but that part is very special to a lot of people, not just us. Yeah. And our, yeah, our economy, our tourism, like, there's so much damage that would come from building a wall for 2,000 miles, like. I, I just I would love for people to understand how much more damage is going to happen than good. And like you said, like you talk to people there who live with a wall and their their perspective is, especially in California, like people figure it out. Like they're going to get here anyway. They're yeah. going to cross yeah. They're They'll do anything like they've just walked 2000 miles from El Salvador because walking through these dangerous locations is better than what they're coming from. Yeah. Or you talk about the drug issue of drug trafficking. Um, we're going to get drugs in America 
if we want drugs, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, we are. The, even if we, we are the driving factor. We are the <laughs> exactly. buyer. Yeah. We are the reason. <laughs> Let's get that straight. Right? They are supplying. Exactly. <laughs> and like, and and you look at the statistics if we're going to talk about that. And most of the drug trafficking happens at ports of entry anyway. Mm. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It's not. People carrying on their backs across. Yeah, that's not financially stable any longer. (laughs) Like that's not. There's too much supply and demand for that. Uh, And is that so? um, What do you think? And I I, maybe you haven't figured it out. It's a big issue. So, but (laughs) but what is is there an alternative? in your mind because you i mean you adamantly said this is not going to fix a problem Mm -hmm. what do you think would fix a problem what do you think is a Um, a a better step than a wall well one thing that's really important for me to say i think personally um that i i said to a lot of people as i was on this bike trip is that i i'm not an expert and i'm not from this land and i don't think that i have a voice to speak for these folks um and it was really important to me that they knew that intention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really only decided to educate myself on, or, you know, we all watch the news. We all read yeah. newspapers. Um, but I know so very little. There's so many people that know more than me that yeah. have spent lifetimes researching it. Um, but I will say <laughs> that I think that our generation and the generation after us really needs to start learning how to have conversations mm. and <laughs> and to just like to, Real to conversations. learn yeah and not debates and arguments yeah. and opinions yes. and so much wealth came to me in this trip from just listening to people on all sides yeah and how rich would we all be if we could empathize with someone who's saying I live on the border I still need my guns um, I still need my cattle and I also don't want this wall and there is also still an issue and have that person's perspective and then talk to a 16 year old who is living in a big city across from the border and suffering from um, human trafficking and mental health and drugs and gangs and, and talk about all of there, there's just so much to talk about, yeah. and we're not having conversations. Um, no, we're building walls, which exactly. is the exact opposite of having a conversation. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. really sad. It is. Um, but I agree with you on, in in the conversation aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, having open minded conversations with an intention to understand the person and not judge them, but mm-hmm. to truly seek to understand. Um, you're going to get a lot farther mm-hmm. um, going that route than you are by just automatically, whether it's a, a you know wall that I put up. If you say something I don't like, well, there goes that wall. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get it passed because I have rich held beliefs that are not going to be broken down by you and your hippie ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, that's one of the good things that getting away from Mormonism uh, helped me to realize was that... Um, I had believed in something and now I know it's not true. 
So what else mm-hmm. do I believe mm-hmm. and will one day find out that is not true? Mm-hmm. So just really trying to be very open-minded to the fact that anything that I believe could be wrong mm-hmm. and we should be testing ourselves and asking ourselves questions. And yeah. we kind of talked about it on bike trips, like going and having some self-discovery and checking in with yourself mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just checking in with yourself, yeah. some self-care. Yeah. Yeah out in mother nature yeah who'd have thought who would have i mean (laughs) (laughs) oh man i have this uh fitness place that keeps um messaging me and i was like on a bike ride and i was just like thinking to myself and i was just like um i go outside to recreate and it's free there's mm-hmm. no, no one's going to charge me a membership fee to go out. And mm-hmm. I know you're working at a gym, so. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I you do. volunteer at a gym? <laughs> well, yeah, sort of. Yeah. The bikes are actually at my work, so I host oh. classes oh. in our warehouse at the brewery. Oh, that's way better. We're pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you, I, I, I'm guessing you were just like, hey, I would love to do this. It'd be cool. And company was like sure yeah 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 i didn't didn't see the company company coming to you and be like now would you be interested in leading a what is a spin class actually i wouldn't put it past him really (laughs) yeah we come up with all sorts of crazy ideas yeah it's pretty rare that i say no anyway oh cool okay um but more about the border yes a couple things i wanted to say oh yes um no no it's fine (laughs) apologize (laughs) Me and my ADD. <laughs> Takes a good guess to keep me on track. <laughs> um, I think a couple other things I really walked away from were uh, really how prevalent nationwide a lot of these, like this issue with the border, this fear about it didn't just spring up with Trump. Like this has been here for a while. Right. The history is pretty deep. Yeah. Um, and... He's just, you know, the catalyst for where we're at right now. Um, but I really do think that we need to start talking about um, our our mental health crisis. Like, why is no one talking about that right. across this nation? Yeah. In all regards. Pharmaceutical abuse. Yeah. Pharmaceutical drug abuse. Depression, all, anxiety. Depression, anxiety. <laughs> all <laughs> just, of it. Just normal, like, yeah, taking yeah. care of yourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, it's so weird. We live in this world where everybody's just like, oh, they just want to get a nice house with a nice car, car and drive and go and look at their big screen TV and eat whatever. And it just is gross. <laughs> it's just gross. And then, but then it's like, you wonder why we have all these problems, you know? Like, why do we have all the mental mm-hmm. health? I'm not a doctor, so I'm just like some guy talking in a van. <laughs> <laughs> But I just, I mean, I'm riding my bike around and I'm healthy and I feel good and I'm happy and I'm loving life. And I mean, I'm just, I'm happy, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I, you know, you just, you're riding your bike and you see people like at night, they're watching TV and Mm -hmm. doing whatever. And, you know, you wonder why heart disease and cancer and mental health and all the other things. Yeah. And all, you know, just like our... There's so many things happening in our our bigger cities, too, of folks that don't have the privilege of recreation and those young kids with depression, domestic violence, um, who don't have access to... We don't have any mental health services in this country. Like It's crazy. Like, what I have had to go through in the last two years to try and seek mental health support for someone of my privilege, of my, 
my education, my support system, where I live, the my money that I have, my drive to just freaking figure it out. Yeah, and like I can't you're actively try. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> nothing out there. It's so hard. Yeah. And I can't imagine being someone like a, a single mom with a bunch of kids with a job that won't let her take time off to go to an appointment. Right. Like Man, you're that really hits home what you said to me because I we talked about it earlier, but I <clears throat> I went God, 20, 20 years suffering from really bad anxiety, specific like social anxiety. And um, I thought I had a physical ailment. Like I was always trying to treat it, thinking that uh, it was my diet. It was something I was eating. And it turns out it was just anxiety that was manifesting itself in physical ways. And I had, I was like you, I was like an active, like it bothered me. I was reading on the internet all the time. I was going to doctors. I was going to allergists. I was, you know, reading different books and trying different diets. And mm -hmm. I mean, I was doing so much. Mm -hmm. it, it, it was an all consuming thing. Like it, it, it was terrible. It mm -hmm. was terrible. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a very important message to get out there that, um, man, Go to your regular doctor and then go to one that'll help you out with your mental health or go on a bike ride or mm -hmm. however you want to do it. But take time, spending time in your head and, and, and working through stuff. And like if if you do suffer from anxiety or depression, there are people that can help. You're right. There are no state or federal uh, programs, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but like there we are, talk about these drugs. So that's that's where you get into, um, you know, the 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 single mother with two kids that has two or three jobs and mm -hmm. just doesn't have time mm -hmm. to. Yeah, that's and a if, problem. And if her only option then is to See, choose talking... the drugs <laughs> that are available to her. Oh, yeah. Then she's gonna choose. Yeah, that. they'll deliver. Like, yeah. They come, <laughs> I mean, you know, they will. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's a good point. That's a very good point. I never I put those two. I was I mean, just as I was talking, I was talking from a privileged position of, well, there's mental health professionals that mm -hmm. I can go see. And I did. And I've been able to get my anxiety under control and it's been wonderful. But, yeah, for less fortunate people. Um, yeah, that's a huge need. I can't even imagine how many people suffer from anxiety and depression. Mm hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's probably a very astounding number if we were able to. to I'll get our say hands eighty percent, seventy-five, eighty percent. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I honestly cannot tell you a friend that I have back home that doesn't have some form of that. I find as you talk to people and you open up that everybody's touched it in some mm -hmm. way. I mean, I, I guess you don't really find people that come away unscathed. Mm -hmm. And maybe that goes back to how crazy this world is. Like mm -hmm. everything used to be very simple not that long ago. And then we built industry and mm -hmm. um, now we have like, I don't know, bills mm -hmm. and jobs and houses yeah. and things, lawns we have to mow. Right. And uh, we got to get the kids on the soccer team and we got to like, you know, it's just like. But a while we'll fix that. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Podcast over. <laughs> We've got this shit. There's a wall coming, people. <laughs> uh, no, you know, it's so... I got out of politics um, just... I mean, I, I do vote, um, but I can't... I can't do what you're doing, honestly. I, I have to withdraw myself and just focus on what I can control, mm -hmm. the people in my life that I can influence... 
um, you know, through the podcast or just meeting people or whatnot, because I'm so disappointed by the people that lead this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, for you and I to be able to sit in a creepy van and have a conversation that's halfway reasonable and like talk about real issues and neither one of us are experts. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just rode your bike and had some thoughts. And, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up in the area and have some thoughts, but it's just like, it's just disappointing that this, that, that was the solution. It's that, illogical. Yeah. It's illogical. It doesn't yeah. make any fucking sense. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating. And, yeah. One of the more astounding things that I learned that is exhausting and frustrating to think about is how much money we're spending on this so-called border issue. And it goes beyond the wall and the border patrol and their security systems. And like you read the book, um, The Devil's Highway, and you learn how much it costs for us to detain someone and send them home. It's Mm. like this insane amount of money. I can imagine. And there's a politician in the book. I can't remember her name, but she um, is quoted to say, like, what on earth would happen if we spent that money in El Salvador, um, Honduras, and Guatemala, where most of these folks are coming from to escape violence, and said, hey, guys, like, why don't we give you this money? Come up with a proposal. Tell us how you would use it to make your economy and your 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 city safer yeah. and stronger. And here you go. Yeah. Let's figure it out. Yeah. We've done it in other places. Yeah. We've done it in other countries. Help right. them with that. I mean, yeah. Sometimes not well and sometimes yeah. well, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to get into all of our track record. But yeah. the, the point is, is, essentially, is there is money there that could be appropriated in better and, and more sustainable ways. Yeah. Like that permeates a generation, not just a fucking wall that becomes a divisive issue. I mean, I grew up and remember the Berlin Wall coming down. Mm-hmm. We have a piece of the Berlin Wall in my mom's house. I mean, it was a very, wow. uh, just a small piece. We bought it so, um, yeah. anyway. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, it was a powerful uh, thing to to like witness. It was huge, and I I I guess I uh, my hope for the wall is that it will come down one day. You know, like I hope that I'm here to see. It just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's the only thing I can hope for, especially yeah. like having this conversation and realize, because like I said, my perspective was skewed to think that it wasn't quite as bad as it, the reality mm-hmm. is, is they're building a fucking wall. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I know. <sighs> One thing that was pretty shocking to me on this trip um, was how unafraid I was. Um, when I told folks about this trip back home, um, at first I was just saying, yeah, I'm riding my bike across country. And I was like, okay, Jenny's doing that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as I used the word border, it was just like, what are you thinking? Are you insane? Don't do that. And I actually had a few friends express that they were angry with me, uh-huh. that I would put myself in this situation of danger. It's selfish. All and, that. Yeah. Um, are not necessarily selfish, but just they're well, going to be worried about me for well, three months. Well, that's the thing, right? It's selfish. <laughs> yeah. Like, why make me worry for you? Why are right. you going to put me through yeah. that? Yeah. And Maybe I, I'm putting words in your friend's mouth, but... Well, no, yeah, pretty similar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and talk a little bit, too, while you're on this topic about how much time you spent on the American side and the Mexican side, and or if you did much of that. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I started the trip in Baja, so I did two weeks... 
down south and then flew to San Diego. Um, and I rode on the Mexico side very little, um, mainly because I ha- really struggled to get information about public access versus private land in that area. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of what I did, would I, I would get to border towns and then I would ride down, have lunch, hang out, and then go back up. Um, so I didn't ride through a ton of Mexico. Okay. Uh, but you, you just visited, hopped back and forth. Yeah. And, and just kind of saw both mm-hmm. sides of the aisle, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's still, I would think, pretty informative. Yeah. Like very, yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's really just America, Mexico, America. Right. Mexico. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I was like, which country am I in right now? Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. That's neat, though. That would be a good good, uh, perspective to carry with you going forward. Yeah. And a lot of the cities were like, they feel like their economies and their community rely so much on the sister city across the border. Um, so they're both, both sides are devastated by how hard it is to exist And it's together. been like that for hundreds for of so years. so long. We've been trading with them. I was reading a book about the Big Bend region and, uh, like, uh, candle wax was like a huge, uh, trade, to, mm-hmm. like a trade business. And it actually developed a lot of that, um, region down there. A lot of people live down there for that. So anyway, I mean, it's been going on for a long time. Yeah. 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 It's sad. Yeah. And honestly, the only time that I was afraid for my own personal safety was on my very last day at the Greyhound bus station in Brownville, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not like, surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, honestly, there's Border Patrol everywhere. It's one of the safest places in this country. Oh, my gosh. Like, there's so much I patrol. literally had board, Border Patrol tell me to stop peeing on the side of the road because they could see me on their campus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. They got the long telescopes. And so they're just like watching you pee. Yeah. Oh, they're like, gosh. hey, just so you know. Just so you know, we're watching everything you do. <laughs> oh, that's and creepy. And I, I was the girl with the disco ball. So they knew who I was. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the disco ball. Yeah. She needs a name. Okay. Or he, I don't know. Whatever. Um, Non-binary ball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, goes everywhere with me. Like all, how long have you had the ball, the disco ball? The disco ball, ball, a couple years. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I never. Where'd you pick it up? Why? Why? It's got to be some. Amazon. Oh, you just wanted. You were like, I'm having a party on my bike, and you're coming with me. Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) I didn't know if it was like a sentimental token of some sort, or. I mean, sort of. It's um, it has it's multi-purpose. Uh, I I love how bikepacking trips, people are just so drawn to talk to you as a cyclist. And with the disco ball in general, it's a really great conversation open, opener. I've, yeah, <laughs> like, I've heard this before that people have specific things that'll loosen up a, yeah. or, or, or uh, contribute to like someone wanting to have a conversation with you. Yeah, yeah. And it makes me, um, I don't know not intimidating I guess I don't think I'm a very intimidating person um but um I think it's pretty obvious that I'm up for a fun time with my disco ball or you're a crazy lady on a bike with a disco ball that too it could go maybe a little both (laughs) (laughs) and both is fun you know you don't always have to be one person you know you can be the crazy lady on bicycle sometimes (laughs) um 
And I mean, it it sparkles in sunshine, makes me smile. Um, uh, It did get us a lot of free margaritas at a party we ended up in Baja. It was a 70-year-old birthday party. And it was a uh, disco themed. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, hey, y'all need a disco ball. <laughs> <laughs> I brought one. <laughs> they were... Bring your own disco ball night. You're in luck. <laughs> they were really excited. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. That's, yeah. That is awesome. All right. Well, yeah. um, one thing that I thought would be fun as we were just talking, I get a lot of requests from people that are looking to get into bikepacking and you mm-hmm. obviously lead some classes and stuff. So what are some advice, some tips that you give to other people that are looking on going on their first trip or just getting into it? Mm-hmm. Ask all the questions. Um, to who? Me, Where do you go? go call, Instagram, me. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I love great. talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, what's your Instagram? Uh, Juniper Schmidt. Um, and yeah, ask all the questions, try it out. Don't be hard on yourself. Like Mm -hmm. there is no right way to go bikepacking. Um, part of the beauty is doing it your own way. Yeah. Pray, like celebrate your individuality, find your own way to do it. Yeah. Use a trash bag with some volley straps. Like you don't need thousand dollar gear set up. Like you can make it work. Yeah. Um, and like slowly build your kit over time, especially if finances are hard for you. Uh, borrow stuff, test it out. Um, I always tell people like, especially with like learning how to pack your bike, like it's really frustrating sometimes and know that it's not you. It's just, it's hard to figure out. Um, stuff breaks, yeah. bring a lot of zip ties. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it is an adventure, Yeah, you know, and, and open up your mind to, to that. Um, and make sure you're having fun. Oh, that's a good one. Like, if you're not having fun, then maybe bikepacking in a different way. Like we were talking about earlier, like, you don't need to bike cross country. Like, no. do a two-day trip. I've never been across yeah. the country. Yeah. I do lots of trips. I do a lot of micro adventures because yeah. that's what my life can afford me to do right mm-hmm. now. And I get a lot of enjoyment out of them. I get mm-hmm. a lot of enjoyment out of watching other people like you on Instagram. And I, <laughs> I actually, you had a tracker so I could follow your dot as you were going <laughs> along. Um, I couldn't see you pee, but I could see where you're <laughs> camping and stuff. And, uh, but it, you know, I, I, I enjoy all of it. And, um, there's, like you said, lots of different ways to do it. And so I look at those as ways to be inspired and like, and, and then maybe like, oh, I want to try that sometime, mm-hmm. you know, lots of ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, find someone on Instagram who really speaks to you. Um, like if there's someone who's doing a certain kind of bikepacking or perhaps is in your area or looks like you, um, uh, there's some really cool folks out there talking about um, what it's like to bikepack um, as a more like overweight person or, um, you know, there's some really cool folks talking about what it's like to try and feel safe as a transgender cyclist. Like, I think you'll find that if you reach out to someone, um, they're going to be really excited to talk to you. There seems to be some good groups and some good communities yeah. forming, mm-hmm. um, you being one of them to just make, yeah, mm-hmm. help people get introduced to a great sport. Yeah. A great activity, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you live in Bellingham, I'll go, I'll go with you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people can, I get, I get lots of messages. I always try to respond. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. Um, 
again, uh, uh, one other thing. What what was your personal setup? What were you riding? Uh, kind of by what was your setup like? At a uh, Esker Hayduke. Oh, really? Yeah, hardtail. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They used uh, to be Hayduke Cycles, right? Yeah. And then or Advocate Cycles. Advocate, that's right. Advocate. Yeah. Okay. And then Esker. Yeah. yeah. Um Yeah, I loved it. It's perfect for me. The one thing I would have That's a hard tail mm-hmm. um tell I don't 27 I twenty seven and a half. Twenty seven and a half. Um two point eight tires. Wow. And and you were doing mostly gravel when you could? Yep. A lot, yeah. A lot of gravel, a lot of deep sand. Um some pavement texas is a lot of pavement yeah um yes i couldn't really get around that um uh not too much climbing it's pretty flat so why'd you pick that bike is that like your bike uh the geometry uh just feels so good for me um it just fits me really really well um i mean it stood the test of 3,000 miles and not a single thing went wrong yes. until the end where I literally wore through my tubeless tires. So there's yeah. no more tire. That's not the bike's fault. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but to not have a mechanical issue for that long is insane. Yeah. Uh, really well built. I really love how Esker lets you custom build the bike to your particular needs mm. and desires. Um, so that was really cool. And they were so kind and open with every question that I had and emailing them. Mm. Um, yeah, really great fit from a frame bag. And yeah. So what do you look for whenever you're, I mean, so reliability, comfort, like what were your goals that you were trying to accomplish with taking that bike? Um, something that was as versatile as possible because I don't really stick to any one kind of terrain. Um, so I, I wanted something that I could take on a lot of different trips in the future. Yeah. Um, I do think I'm going to switch it out to some drop bars. <laughs> uh, did you see mine that I just converted to a drop bar? Uh-uh. Yeah. My, I have a, uh, Chumba Stella and it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, sorry, flat bar mountain bike with a suspension fork. And ever since I, I mean, it's a wonderful bike. I mean, um, but I was like, man, I just really want to put drops yeah. on it. And I am in love with that bike. Really? Yes. It, I'll show you pictures. Sweet. Oh, actually, you're going to come I'll to my see house. It. Yeah. Gonna, oh, yeah. I'll let you touch it. You get to meet it. Yeah. I'll introduce you to my bikes. <laughs> It'll be fun. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, I really did. Uh, it, that's one thing I really love. Uh, I mean, talking about, you know, making it your own is like, I don't, I've been riding a bike since I was four years old. I've never been professionally fit. I just kind of ride by feel. And I'm not saying this is the only right way to do it. And my shit's probably wrong sometimes, but I'm more focused on like having fun. And mm-hmm. um, and if I like it, then that's great. Yeah. You know? And so like it, the geometry on that bike doesn't really make sense, but I have like long legs and a short torso and long arms. And so maybe it just works for my weird body. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're I, all different. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. <laughs> so I, I, I support you in your decision. Thank you. I think versatility in bikepacking is so rad. It's one of the coolest things about the sport. Like this route that I was on, like I think it's unfortunate when people are purists when it comes to routes and like feel like they have to stick to it. Mm. But it was so cool to be alone on this solo trip and just like change it up whenever I needed to or wanted to or when 
the border patrol said I had to. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about, I, I agree with you. Um, I've tried to get away from, I mean, I'm trying to let it be, just be an adventure, you know, mm -hmm. but a big constraint there is time, having the time to be able to just not stick to a route. Because, I mean, the nice thing about a route, you got three days, you're like, okay, we go here, camp here, da, 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 be back at the car, go to back to work. Mm -hmm. So how is it that you took all this time off? <laughs> <laughs> I asked. <laughs> Who do you ask? I want to ask somebody. <laughs> I work for an angel named Janet Leitner who um, didn't even hesitate when I asked her if I could take a couple months off to kind of reset. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean. So you took how many months off? Uh, it was about two and a half, three when months do you go back? so. Friday. Oh. Yeah. Like in four days yeah. I shouldn't say that you're like <laughs> not wanting to think about the countdown I'm so excited to see my friends but yeah. I'm not quite ready to go home I hear you yeah um so I'll ask yeah. you what's her name Jana Janet Janet mm -hmm. uh, Janet would like to know do you intend to come back to work yeah forever and ever no <laughs> <laughs> what is this what is this trip uh how has it evolved your perspective on what your future might look oh, like man. Um, I think that I have realized how much I just really enjoy moving my body, um, and how necessary it is for me. You mean um, dancing? Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's so many videos yet to share. <laughs> uh, yeah, just movement in general, talking to people, learning about my country, um, and where I live, um, dream job being a bicycle journalist would just be like freaking yeah. rad yeah um i think i'd be really good at it you should do it um cool i'm gonna do that okay <laughs> <laughs> you're right for the bikes for death podcast Sweet. you got your first yes first gig now you just need a thousand more do i get free tacos uh i don't have any tacos <laughs> i don't have a taco to get wait i got you tacos earlier yeah yes yeah sweet. tacos are definitely a part of the package <laughs> don't just don't put cilantro on them <laughs> okay uh yeah i mean i i love helping people i love being a part of a community um and um bettering this place so however that looks yeah i get it stoked on it yeah looking mm -hmm. for an opportunity to give back in in some way yeah just figuring it out yeah yeah, yeah. cool maybe leading bikepacking trips well if i do that anyway yeah. that is a perfect way to end the podcast because <laughs> then the next one we can be we can say what happened in jenny's life <laughs> what did she figure out what did she do when she what grew up? What did she accomplish? <laughs> Hopefully you do something or else it's going to be a not great podcast. Oh, so much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It, it, I really enjoyed talking to you and I, I appreciate so much that you uh, rode all the way here from California just to see just me. Just for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It means a lot. You're welcome. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that you wanted to share or say before we close it out? Uh, just if anyone is interested in the route, um, uh, or wants to do it, I'd love to share it. Um, the border route? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, saw some pretty cool things. Um, do you have a blog or anything with more information about it or just like reach out on Instagram? Just Instagram, yep. yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. And um, again, that was Juniper Schmidt, at Juniper Schmidt. Yeah. On Instagram. Juniper Schmidt. 
<laughs> out. <laughs> Mic drop. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thanks again to Jenny for riding her bike all the way from California just to talk to little old me in the back of my van in a field at Rocky Hill Ranch. It was great uh, getting to know you. And again, I am rooting for you and all of your friends out there in Oregon and all of my friends across the globe. Um, yeah, crazy times, but I, I am optimistic that we will get through it and we will live to ride again. My next guest is Emma Flukes. You can find her on Instagram at one fluke shot. Uh, I recommend that you go check her out. Her Instagram is quite entertaining. Uh, she is a wealth of knowledge, uh, and quite, like I said, she's, she's just entertaining and fun, fun and entertaining. Uh, and we had a great chat. She's all the way over there in Tasmania, Australia, another one of those all the way across the globe type deals. Uh, so that one's coming up next. I think I'm going to try to just release episodes as I can get them out. Um, with everything that's going on in the world, how crazy it is, I realize there's there's a lot of people stuck at home. So if me putting out podcasts can be a be a source of entertainment, a distraction uh, from all the craziness that's going on, then I think that uh, I think that could be good. So I'm going to just release them as I can with the understanding that, you know, my life too is crazy. I have not been untouched or unscathed uh, by everything that's going on. Actually, spoiler alert, uh, we talk about how this has affected me in that next episode with Emma. So, uh, dun, dun, dun. stay tuned. Listen, friends, I know life is stressful, particularly now. Never have we experienced something on this scale. We're used to a tornado that decimates a town or flooding that takes out a community. Uh, this is the first time in all of our existence that something has united us in such a strange way. There's a lot of things we can't do right now. We can't go to the store and shake hands with the clerk or go out to a restaurant with the ones that you love and get together over a beer or go dancing. I know that's hard, but use this as an opportunity to learn and to grow. Maybe find out about yourself. And if nothing else, just go ride your damn bike solo or within six feet of other people. Thank you. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Washington. Grassroots. Grassroots.
went back to her home in Washington. 